still hearing, would you stand as we're going to worship? And before we get started, I just want to make sure I hit my few announcements. And that is number one, uh, if you've already jumped into the foundations of the New Testament that we're doing together as a church, awesome. But if you haven't, it's not too late, right? Uh, you're going to get so much out of this. And here's why, because it's God's word. I guess it's a guarantee you're going to get so much out of it. And we'd love to uh, hear what you, what your thoughts are and get you plugged in doing that with us. So um, you can scan that QR code or find someone, find a way to get plugged in on, it's on, a U, on, on the version app. That's how you can do that with us. So not too late. Join us if you haven't done that already. And then also we have the Super Bowl of, of caring, Super Bowl of giving, yeah, caring. And that's going to happen next Sunday. And you can bring a can, okay, because we're not going to be doing it like, traditionally with soup, but bring cans, you know, um, and donation donation for that. And then finally, uh, we have our three ways you can give here at Southwoods. You're familiar with it, um, but don't let it become old hat, right? Always do that between you and the Lord, and uh, God's going to bless that. Let's continue to worship him this morning. Yeah. 
with that in mind, let's turn to one another and greet one another in love this morning.
song being in his hands and how faithful God is really being in his hands and him, him leading us it kind of I think it leads to our, our last song which is turn your eyes upon Jesus and I can't think of a better thing to do at any time but especially in this time of communion um, turning our eyes to the cross and the forgiveness that he brings but you know in this just craziness of life storms of life um, I heard a really cool analogy like we're just you know we're just in the car and we're dry but there's just a storm going on and there's a storm all around us and it makes me think of of course Peter you know being out on the sea and the storm around him but when he fixed his eyes on Jesus he was standing on water we can do amazing amazing things not because of us but because of who he is so as we just enter this time of communion, um, I just pray that you would feel this overwhelming peace and joy as you fix your eyes on Christ. And I pray that not just for this time, but really as you go forth this weekend in your lives, because as we fix our eyes on him, it really does. The things of the world just fade away in the light of his glory and grace. So we'll sing this together. Um, pray that you reflect on that and to a time of communion. Turn your 
morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. If you're here live in person, if you're live with us online, we're grateful for that and trust that uh, God's Spirit's just been breathing life into you. We all need that. And uh, it's one of the things I enjoy just being here during the worship time is just, just trying to receive and just soak it up as well as offer it back to God. So, uh, so yay, uh, worship team and all of you who help us with that, we appreciate that. So they continue to deal with curveballs and stuff, with technology and everything, and uh, they do it with, uh, with grace and dignity and, uh, and just amazing. So, so grateful for that. Glad you're here today. I want to begin by asking you, how hard would it be for you to bench press 300 pounds today? Some of you are in trauma right now. At the thought, but I just want you to think for me a minute, a, a minute about that. You think you could, you could bench press 300 pounds if you tried really, really hard today. If you just thought to yourself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get some of that talcum powder to put on my hands so when I grip the bar that I've got, got a good grip and I'm going to really focus my strength and my energy and my attention on the bar and, and I'm just going to breathe right. <sighs> Would that make any difference? What, what if we... Uh, what if we took up a little offering and bought you an Apple Watch or a Fitbit, you know, so you could track fitness and this kind of, would that, would that, would that uh, make it easier? Probably not for some of us. Uh, what, what if we go to Shields this afternoon and a sporting goods store there, you buy some really stylish new workout clothes, something really nice, looks really nice on you and uh, makes you feel confident about yourself and you just kind of look fit. It, is that gonna? Is that gonna make any difference? Might make some of us ill. Is what it'd do for some of us. We kind of look in the mirror and go. Uh, I want you to listen to what a professional competitive power lifter recently said. He said the vast. And this a guy who does this. He says the vast majority of men could hit a 300 pound bench press naturally, and by naturally he means without steroids, you know, without the Barry Bond stuff, okay? They, they could, the vast majority could lift 300-pound bench press naturally, but, he says, 99.9% of them won't because, one, they won't train correctly and comprehensively for it, and two, because the average time it takes for someone to get there seems to be around two years. Like if you started working now and you had a comprehensive diet and regimen and lifestyle change in two years, you might have a shot at it. The key to powerlifting is a long-term, overall, comprehensive lifestyle of training. So what makes it possible? And training like that, we understand this, is essential to almost every significant endeavor in life. Running a marathon, you got to train. You want to become a surgeon, you got to train. At least if you're going to work on me, I hope you've trained, right? Right? You want to become a teacher, you train. If you're going to operate heavy machinery, you got to train. Because you got a great big bulldozer giant size, you know, you can hurt yourself, you can hurt the machine, you can hurt somebody else, right? You got to train. I mean, if you're going to be a carpenter, a builder, you know, you got to train. If you're going to learn how to play the piano, you got to train. On and on I could go. Effort, willpower, teaching, technique, all valuable things, all of them. Nothing can substitute for training. 
what's true for sports, for medicine, for construction, for the arts, according to the Bible, is true for the spiritual life as well. We've been talking in recent weeks about how life is filled with adversity. It's filled with tests, and every one of us is going to face them. We can't escape them. They're coming our way whether we want them to or not. Here's the truth of what Scripture tries to convey to us, that when our faith is tested by adversity, you and I are going to need more than just effort and willpower to rise above it. According to many passages of Scripture, what we need is training, spiritual training. We need a long-term, overall lifestyle of training for holiness and goodness and virtue. We're in a message series that's entitled, When Faith is Tested. I hope you've been along the way with us uh, the last few weeks. We've kind of been working on that. But uh, we're making our way through the New Testament book of 1 Peter. If uh, you're just jumping in with us, I want to encourage you to uh, spend some time reading 1 Peter in addition to whatever else you're reading in Scripture. Just read it. It's five books. I mean, you can sit down and read it. And, you know, the length of time that it's going to take me to do this entire message, you could read the whole book in that period of time. Uh, just encourage you, spend some time with it, maybe even memorize a verse or two of it as you, as you read along, the things that just jump at you. But today's passage, as we're working our way through the book, describes pretty well the long-term overall lifestyle of holiness training that every follower of Jesus needs to engage in. And so if you'll open your Bible, we're going to read a few verses from 1 Peter. We're going to be in chapter 1, and as we read, I hope you'll listen carefully. I hope you'll uh, just... Have an open ear to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to you this morning through His Word. Because uh, He is speaking. He does want to encourage you. He does want to redirect and correct us and train us for righteousness. That's what Scripture does for us. And so uh, we're going to read several verses. So I hope you'll you know, kind of like zone, uh, uh, kind of get in the zone. Stick with me as we, as we read here in the next few minutes. First uh, Peter chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 13 and we're going to read to chapter 2 verse 3. In the original text, there weren't all the chapter breaks like we do. The continuous thought goes all the way to chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. So we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 to chapter 2, verse 3. Okay? So you with me? Just follow along either on the screen or in your Bible. This is what the New Living Translation says of this passage. So prepare, which could also be translated equip or train. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy... Because I am holy. It's quoting God there is saying that. You must be holy because I'm holy. You know, the idea is that, you know, you're my child is what God is saying. You're my child. You're my offspring. Guess what? I'm holy. I want you to be holy too. It's really the idea of this passage and all the places where this same thought shows up in Scripture. Follow along verse 17. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. 
and it is not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days He's been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all of your heart. For you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Let's just pray together about this passage, okay? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the insight, the wisdom, the, the revelation of your ways and who you are that just shows up in these verses. Lord, you of all people know there's so much here. And I feel so inadequate to convey all of this. I just ask God for your spirit to speak and strengthen each of us as we need to be strengthened, that we might grow in holiness. And when the testing of our faith occurs, because of you, your help, your spirit, we might stand. So we long for, Father. We pray this and ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So many directions we could go with this passage. But for today, here's what I want us to focus our attention on. Today's passage reveals four steps that are essential parts of any long-term overall lifestyle of spiritual training and preparation. If you're going to try to grow in holiness, the kind of holiness that would give you the capacity to stand in the midst of adversity, and not just stand but prevail, I mean, if you want that kind of holiness for your life, there are four essential steps that every one of us have to engage in. And I hope you'll listen real carefully as we look, work our way through the passage, highlight these things. Uh, maybe you ought to jot down a few thoughts as we go. Um, we need to know what we're going to talk about today, not just for ourselves. Of course, we need to know it for ourselves, but we've got family members, friends, people who are part of our lives. That we need to know this reflexively, not just for us, but for them too. So I uh, hope you'll listen close. The first essential step to any kind of training for holiness is this. You and I have got to be born again. That's the, that's the starting point. We've got to be born again. The Apostle Peter briefly refers to this step in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. If you've got your text there open, just look at it or look on the screen. Peter says it this way, For you have been born again. You have been born again. So he's talking past tense to them here. He goes on, he says, But not to a life that will quickly end, like the one we're all in right now. The life that's coming 
what you've been born into, what you've been born again into is not a swift life. It's, he goes on, he says, your new life will last how long? What's it say? Forever, forever, because it comes for the eternal living word of God. Now, Peter knew that the people he was originally trying to encourage here in this passage, when he wrote this originally, Peter knew that they had already put their trust for forgiveness of sins and eternal life in Jesus. They'd already done that. They'd already embraced his sacrifice for them. So he knew that they were spiritually born again. But when it comes to our day, roll the clock forward 2,000 years. There are many in our generation who think, I can be holy, I can be godly, but I don't know about this born-again business. That's Billy Graham stuff. That's what that's about. I, I just, I don't know. Many question in our generation the whole idea of being born again. I want you to listen to what Jesus himself has to say about this because it doesn't matter what any television program tells you. It doesn't matter what I think even, honestly. What matters is what does God himself say about this? Listen to what Jesus says about this whole idea of being born again in John 3. He's speaking, he's replying here to a man named Nicodemus. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, look at his words, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. A couple of verses later, he continues with this man. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. He talks about the water, he's talking about baptism, about being born of water. And the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit there. He explains, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. Do you see any wiggle room in his words? Not unless you're a shady attorney. You just don't, where you got to really work hard to find something else because you got a lot of money at stake. That's, that's the only way you're going to find something else from what he's saying. Jesus is pretty emphatic here. You and I must be born again, and here's the point. It's the starting point for all spiritual training. Ignore this, and you can do a lot of things, but guess what? If you don't have this, the Holy Spirit of God doesn't reside in you. It's the beginning point. Unless you were born of the water and the Spirit, you have not been born again. So have you been baptized as a physical expression of your faith in Jesus? And by your baptism, by your surrender and being immersed in the water, you come up out of it and you're, you know, it's like you died as you went under and you've been resurrected like him when you come up out of it. Have you... Have you have you expressed your faith in this manner as the scriptures teach and as Jesus appeals to us to do? Have you invited the Holy Spirit to cleanse your soul, to give you new life, to walk with you, to fill you, to infuse your soul with life? I enjoyed one of the, one of the pictures on the screen as we were singing. It was like this, this water, this fountain's just going like this. And I was just, it was a reminder where Jesus talks about his spirit. It's like just he wells up in us like like living water, and that's the picture of it. It's the Holy Spirit a part of your life. In the clear words of Jesus, I assure you, John 3, 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and the Spirit. 
Every one of us needs to be born again. And let me just say, if you've not been born again, don't, don't let the day pass without embracing what Jesus is talking about here, what, what Peter describes is available to you. But that's just the beginning, according to today's passage. You know, there's a second essential step if you look at the passage to any kind of training for holiness. With the Holy Spirit's help, you and I need to eliminate sin and deceit. We need to eliminate sin and deceit from our lives. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Look at these verses. The text says, You must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. I just think that's fascinating. He's, saying, he's kind of making this case that when, when, when many of us began to follow Jesus, we did things that we just look back on sometimes with shame, embarrassment, sadness, regret. Why? We didn't know any better. We didn't know there's a better way to live. Peter's saying, don't, don't get sucked back into that old way of life when the way that you didn't know, because you didn't know any better back then. But now, verse 15, you must be holy in, what's he say? Be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Chapter 2, verse 1 adds this thought. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Sort of sounds like God really wants us to get rid of all Sin and deceit, doesn't it? It's troubling to me as I was reading it. I just thought, he even says all unkind speech. Well, God, what if, what if they deserve it? Get rid of all unkind speech. That's what he told me as I prayed about it. <laughs> I'm not saying, We're to become holy in everything we do, just as God who chose us is holy. Now, that may seem a little overwhelming to us, and in fact, it is. I mean, if you think very deeply about it, if you take it very seriously, which I hope you do, it's, it's a little overwhelming. But here's how we have to think about this. So I just wrestled, how, how, how should we think about this, God? And this is the picture that comes to my mind. When you hire an exterminator, a pest control company to come to your house, which many of us have done this, most of us have done this, uh, do you want the, the pest control company to eliminate all roaches, spiders, ants, and mice from your house? Is that really what you want? Or do you just want them to reduce the number of pests to a socially acceptable level where when people come over, they don't see them? Is that what you're going for? Come on, are you with me? That's not what you're going for, is it? Get rid of all the pests, all of them. Hear me, in the same way, God wants our house, inside and out, to be rid, clean, free of all sin and deceit, and yes, even unkind words. He wants it all gone. And when we're in our right minds, we agree with him. 
We know that's what's best. But to get there, friends, frankly, you're not going to get there just trying really hard. It just doesn't work that way. It comes back to spiritual training and the presence of the Holy Spirit working through all of that to transform and reshape and remold us. And one of the essential steps to progress in the direction of holiness, the kind of holiness that gives us strength to stand in the midst of adversity, is that we need to pursue spiritual nourishment. It shows up over and over in the text, really, a whole section. But I'm going to highlight just one verse for the interest of time. 1 Peter 2.2 2 talks about this whole idea of pursuing spiritual nourishment. It paints a picture. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into, I love this language, a full experience of salvation. Think about that. So that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. What I just think of when I read this is just like, we're all tempted to settle, to settle for like a, shall we say, a shallow, limited, a juvenile experience of salvation. When God's great longing, the whole subject of holiness is about us becoming holy, thoroughly. It's like the whole batch of dough of our soul is transformed. It's what he's longing for, for all of us, all of us. Picture that comes to my mind when I think of this verse is uh, this one. We've all seen pictures like this on uh, nature channels and so forth. You got some little ones here who won't be satisfied until they're full. And they're going to cry and squawk and make annoying noises. Some of them, if you read them, some of them are really noisy, obnoxious about it. They want nourishment. Some of us have had children, babies like that, who would lie in their little cribs and wail. wail. Some of us think, oh, I'm being a bad parent because I let them cry at nighttime. No, not during the night. But, you know, in the morning, we've got to feed them. We've got to feed them, right? You know, if we're going to train for the kind of holiness that can withstand the testing of our faith. And we've got to do the same thing spiritually. We have got to cry out. We've got to pursue spiritual nourishment is what the text is telling us to do. We've got to devour scripture. You know, we're in this foundations uh, reading plan right now. And uh, Wesley mentioned it earlier. I encourage you. I mean, you don't have to do this one, but I would do, do something. Be engaged in some. I've talked to a few of you who say, well, I'm on this other plan. So, I mean, that's, that's great. Just do it. Just do it. Be consistent. One thing that's been kind of interesting about this is because of the notifications, because of the opportunity to give a brief response at the end of it, um, it, it just sort of highlights things maybe even about the text that you've read that you maybe wouldn't have thought of. just strikes you a little different way. Or, and even there's a, a little subtle accountability to just follow through because, you know, oh, somebody might notice I didn't sign in today, didn't respond. That's not all bad either. I mean, obviously that stuff can go over the edge, but generally that's just not bad. A little accountability there. If you don't have a plan that you're doing, do this with us. I mean, you can jump online. You can see somebody right afterwards. Come on down afterwards. We'll help you 
download the app and figure it all out if you don't know how to do that. Or if you don't have an app, you know, we'll, we'll, we, have, we have paper where we Xerox copied, you know, the plan. And you can come get one of those and we'll give it to you. So just take advantage. Devour scripture. We've got to engage in Christian fellowship. This is huge. Right now, right now, we're two years after COVID. What's COVID done? You look around the room. Some of us still haven't come back. Some of us are still not in small groups. Some of us are still not in fellowship. Oh, I'm not saying that you're not in fellowship anywhere because the truth is I see you at Walmart. I see you other places. So I know you're doing other stuff. Guess what? God knows you are too. So that ain't no big surprise to him. You may think you're being sly, but no, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Here's the point. You can only live in this kind of way so long. You and I can only live in fear of what will kill our temporary bodies for so long. Are you going to live in fear of what will affect your temporary body in such a way that it affects your eternal soul? Are you going to do that? What do you think is the wise thing there to do? The wise thing is to think, hmm, the life that I have inheriting is not going to be a quick one. It's going to be eternal. It's going to last forever. Perhaps I should orient my entire life around that which will last forever as opposed to that which, at worst, in a few years, at least for me, will pass. Because guess what? You know, 40 years from now, I'm probably not going to be standing up here doing this. You know what I'm saying? I'll be like in, I will have crossed, as they say, the Rainbow Bridge. <laughs> I don't know where that phrase, I, anyway, that's. Friends, you and I have to take seriously engaging in Christian fellowship. I mean, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You want to do it, you know, but, but engage. We've got to engage in church, in fellowship, in Bible study kinds of groups. We've got to serve Christ and others alongside some other believers. The expectation of God for you and me to become servants of others doesn't go on hiatus because of, sick, because, because of sicknesses. It doesn't. Ask Mother Teresa. Ask believers over the centuries who have been the ones who've established the hospitals in places where others were untouchable. We have got this so out of sync in our mind right now. We are so living for temporary things, even the most devoted of us. We need to recalibrate and pursue spiritual nourishment because it's part of growth and holiness, Christ-likeness. We need to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. If we had time to just break that entirely out, out through the passage, and as we go through 1 Peter, you're going to see more of that, but God has not left us as orphans. God is not mute. Of all, we need his fellowship. We need to learn to walk with him and listen to him. What he says from his word and what he says by his indwelling presence. 
as we're in the pursuit of a lifestyle, a holistic, over, of, you know, complete lifestyle pursuit of holiness. We need him. We've got to pursue spiritual nourishment. And quickly, there's a fourth essential step to any kind of training for holiness. It shows up in our passage. It shows up back in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this, So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. This says this interesting thing that sort of sounds churchy, spiritual, so we kind of zoom past it. But he goes and he says, put all your hope. Notice, notice that? Put how much of your hope? Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world, when he, when he returns again. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. We need to think clearly and exercise self-control. We've got to prepare our minds for clarity and exercise self-control, the text is, is telling us. In other words, put it another way, we need to beware of emotional reactions that make no sense. Okay? Just kind of inverting the word, the idea. You with me? We need to beware of emotional reactions that make no sense. Why do we need to avoid those? Because reactions tend to become overreactions and they threaten our ability to live out goodness and holiness. When you and I start overreacting in these kinds of ways, guess what happens? And the evil one begins to whisper and say, well, you've already blown it now. Just go. Just go with it. And some of us naively get suckered into doing that. Peter is saying, no, no, no. Prepare your minds for action. You need clear thinking and you need to exercise self-control. I, I just thought about this a lot this week because uh, you may or may not have known this, but 40-plus diners went nuts this past week at a Golden Corral buffet restaurant in Pennsylvania. They went nuts. You know what the horrible, egregious thing was that took place? It wasn't the cockroaches that they didn't eliminate, that the pest control company, that wasn't the problem. No. The problem was they ran out of steak. So 40-plus people end up in a brawl. Probably one person overreacted. Somebody standing nearby went with it. And the next thing you know, it's just like, are people thinking? No, they're just reacting. And instead of thinking clearly and exercising self-control, um, they just went nuts. Of course, it wasn't just in Pennsylvania that that happened this past week. As I recall, we had a snow event. We only got three or four inches of snow. Somebody forecast six to 14 inches of snow. You read any of the responses and the blogs and stuff of some of the poor weather forecasters who think about it are trying to forecast the weather the weather. This is part of why I get a little skeptical sometimes. I don't mean this in a political way. I'm just thinking global warming and global climate change. The whole language of global climate change is a great big duh to me because it's always changing. 
It's constantly changing. If we can't forecast whether we're going to have six to 14 inches of snow, how good do we really think we are at you know, forecasting 50 years from now what the weather's going to be like? I just, I get skeptical. I'm just saying. That's not a political statement. That's just like my brain. Maybe I'm deficient, but I don't think so. I don't think so on this. Here's the point. You and I have got to learn to think clearly. We've got to learn to exercise self-control in area after area of life. And here's why we struggle with this so much. Here's why we are so given to overreaction, particularly in our day. Because instead of putting all of our hope in Jesus, who is one day coming, we have sort of put this slice of my hope in the weather forecast. And I put this slice of hope in my retirement account. And I put this slice of my hope. Are, you see what we do? We've got our hope. It's fragmented all over the place. We hope in all these things. My health, my fitness, my vaccine, my lack of vaccine and some other medicine that I can take. We put our hope in all of these things. And it scrambles our brains and prompts us to behave irrationally toward each other and toward God himself. Our values get out of sync. So if we're going to learn to think more clearly and exercise self-control, it's no coincidence that Peter starts out by just saying, well, we need to, we need to put all our hope, not just part of it, we need to put all our hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you and me when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And guess what? The full experience of that salvation isn't, isn't here yet. Oh, we can experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We experience a lot of things, but the full promise of Scripture is not here yet. It comes with Him. It comes with Him. We're going to learn to think clearly and exercise self-control. We've got to put not just some of our hope in Jesus, we have to put all of our hope in Jesus. And let me just say for you and me, that's a tall order. We will spend the rest of our lives trying to reorder our souls. That's why Peter's pushing this theme to the people he was writing to originally. He knew it was going to be hard for them. It was hard for him. And here he is in the garden. He's denying Jesus, who he'd walked with for three and a half years. It's all about where is our hope. And he gives us one other key in the text that can help us to kind of think clearly and exercise self-control. And that key is this. You and I have to think differently about life. We have to think differently about life. He makes the point there in the text. We're temporary residents. We're temporary residents here. This isn't home. There's more that's better that's coming. Sincerely embracing that kind of view of the world and life is possible. But I assure you, it's only possible if you and I train our bodies, our souls, our spirits for holiness like we talked about this morning. Unlike 
you know, the, the weightlifter who's saying 99.9% of men could bench press 300. I think scripture would convey the idea that literally every one of us, every one of us is capable of living the kind of life and the worldview that God's describing in the text here through the Apostle Peter. Every one of us can do this. I mean, we're not going to be perfect if you want to just get annoyingly specific about it. But none of us are going to be perfect. But every one of us can embrace this worldview, this lifestyle. Every one of us can train ourselves in it. But some of us look at it and go, that's going to take the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to that's gonna take, you know, we just start stacking up what's good. Jesus is saying, I've called you to the easy life, not the hard life. The hard life is when you and I decide we can live without God's way. And so we end up with disasters happening in our lives. Huge regrets and disappointments that can't be undone. And there's no hope for correction of that in the future. That's the hard life. The easy life. The easy yoke, as Jesus refers to it, is choosing to walk in his footsteps and train for righteousness, for holiness, like Peter appeals to us here. So much more could be said, but I want to close with this final thought. Uh, There's an immense difference between training to be godly and trying to be godly. Big difference. And to overcome adversity and the testing of our faith that every one of us is going to counter, we need to embrace a lifelong lifestyle of spiritual training. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm older in life. I wish I'd have known this back when. I would have really given myself to training back then if I'd have known. Boy, I just sort of missed that one. So you're tempted to dismiss. Let me just say, if you're if you're older stage of life, you have one of the greatest tests of your faith ahead of you. How are you going to handle death, your mortality? There is no greater test of faith than your mortality. You need to train and train like your life depends on it. You need to do that. Some of us are thinking, you know, I'm young and I have my whole life ahead of me. You know, Greg's all melodramatic. Just kind of think to yourself, this is, this is important for somebody. This will be important for me someday. Guess what? Your mortality might not be like way up high on your uh, radar screen, so to speak, right now. But let me assure you that there are countless tests of faith that can come your way out of the blue. And it is wise to train today for what you know is coming. Don't wait. Take advantage of this window of opportunity and prepare your body, soul, and spirit to be a vessel that God can inhabit and bless others with and flow through. And You'll never regret it. We've got to train. We've got to train. So let's stand together. We're closing prayer. I guess my real prayer is that every one of us will let the training begin in our lives. And if 
if we've disengaged in training, that we'll re-engage. If we've been doing it, that we'll just keep at it. That's what we're praying for, okay? Maybe you need to uh, invite Jesus into your heart and life. Maybe you've never been born again. You know, as we pray, just open your heart to God. Just invite the Holy Spirit to cleanse you, to make you His. He wants to do that. He wants to do that. And you need that. Don't put it off. Maybe some of us need prayer for some area of our lives. Afterwards, you can come on down. We'll have somebody here to pray with you. Maybe you need to be baptized, an expression of your faith. You can can let us know, and we can help you follow through on that in, in, uh, in your future. So just whatever God's saying to you this morning. Take advantage of it, okay? Let's bow our heads, pray, then we'll be dismissed. Glad you made it. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, just all that you do to equip and train and mentor us through Scripture to walk in your ways. Lord, it is overwhelming because there's such a gap between who I am and where I am and who you are and where you are and what it's going to take for me to grow, to become more like you. Help us, God, to just humble ourselves and just take one more step in your direction. Just another step, just another step. And God, we will be grateful as you help us to become more and more good and godly. And when that day comes that we stand before you, in addition to thanking you for all that you have done in our lives and the sacrifice that you made, we just will give you credit for every good thing that happens, knowing that Apart from you, uh, all of our lives would be one giant permanent train wreck. So, God, would you go with us? Would you cleanse us? Would you make us yours? We offer ourselves to you. Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? We need you. It's our prayer. And we lift it together in the name of Jesus. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen. Amen. Bless you all.